Welcome to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. I'm your host, Technical Sergeant Brian Ellison. The Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. Thanks for listening. We have two uniform changes. One takes effect immediately and the other going into effect on June 21st, uh, rather June 25th. The first that is in effect right now is the authorization to wear the operational camouflage pattern tactical cap. Basically, it's an OCP baseball cap. You have to wear a name tape on the back and enlisted can't have anything on the front. Officers are authorized to wear rank on the front. You can uh, read more about the cap and who is authorized to wear it on our Facebook page. Unfortunately, my my AFSC is not authorized. Uh, They probably knew I'd try to pass off an OCP Cardinals hat. The other change that is coming is for women's ponytails. They'll be allowed, or you'll be allowed to extend six inches to the left and right from where your hair is gathered. Read about this, too, on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash 126ARW. The 126th Medical Group is in Georgia offering health care to underserved areas but they are not there alone. 126th Public Affairs Superintendent, Senior Master Sergeant Ken Stevens is there with them during an innovative readiness training. He has spent time talking to uh, members uh, from that team, the East Central Georgia Medical IRT. Sergeant Stevens spoke with the Air National Guard First Lieutenant Matthew Murray, Navy Lieutenant Shalina Peterson, Army Reservist Sergeant Manuel Luna, and from our very own 126th the Medical Group, Senior Airman Brianna Avita. In the first interview, he talks to Air Force Lieutenant Matthew Murray with the 174th Medical Group out of Syracuse, New York. He's a Medical Service Corps officer with the New York Air National Guard. Sergeant Stevens asked, what is an IRT? So the IRT is all four service branches coming together training together so that we can add a no-cost benefit to the community. What we do is we provide medical, dental, and optometry services to underserved areas of the state. In this case, we're supporting East Central Georgia. Well, we, we mentioned before this is a joint force effort. What, uh, what units are here with us? We have a guard unit from Scott. We have Navy Reserve. We have Air Force Reserve, and we have Army Reserve providing vet services. Okay. And they're from all over the country? All over the country. So we're all coming together. We're all from different parts. I've talked to people from Nevada. I've talked to people from Florida, Illinois. We have people Mm -hmm. all the way from Maine and as far out as California here today. So what are we doing here? You're from New York, I'm from Illinois, we have people, you said from all over the country. What are we all doing here in Georgia? So the uh, local community put in an application to have the Innovative Readiness Training Program come do an exercise in their location. So the community put out the application it was approved. The IRT team went down here. We've been down here three times already, coming out, checking out the areas, uh, surveying the buildings, 
so we can find the ideal locations to provide the optimal level of care and no cost to the community down here. Okay. This has been a long time planning from actually the selection to the site visits to the planning and now the execution, which is where we're at right now. Okay. So you said a long time planning. About when did this start for this, uh, this event? My first planning meeting for the Innovative Readiness Training was back in December, but the applications and the selection process started as far back as last summer. So we're here, and where is here? So right now we're at Burke County High School. It's a beautiful school. They have an amazing facility here. Uh, the staff and faculty have been so accommodating to all of us here, and we're excited to get started. Okay. as today is our soft start. Okay. All right, so we're, we're here at Burke County. We're also in... Oh, well, we're also located at um, Millen Jenkins, Warren County High School, and the Hancock Public Health Building. Okay, so we're in high schools in three of the counties, but in Hancock, we're at the Public Health Building. That's correct. Okay. Part of being in the military is remaining flexible, and we had to adjust, so... We're at the Can Hancock County Public Health Building. Okay, all right, good, good. We're here to provide what kind of care? We're providing three main levels of care, overarching, but we have optometry, so we're helping people get their vision checked out, prescription glasses if needed, um, eye exams. We're also providing dental, so dental is very big in the local area. Um, we're, you know, teeth cleaning, checkups, etc. We're also providing medical care to the local community, checkups, and for one of the first times, we're actually providing vet services. Although we're limited with our resources, we have a floating vet crew moving around the area. Okay, so the veterinarian crew, and that's for small animals, house pets? That's for like, your house pets, yeah. you know, cats, dogs. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't bring your horse, but <laughs> I don't know what they can handle and what they can't. But yeah, for your house pets. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I was actually walking around the school earlier and uh, saw that they already had three or four, uh, are you calling customers, patients? How do you refer to them? Right, there are, there are patients right yeah, now okay. and uh, there are community members as well. So mm. we're looking forward and we're happy to have them come in yeah. because just as they are benefiting from the services we're providing them, uh, we're benefiting by getting the hands-on experience, by being out in the community and helping them with the resources we have available to us. Sure. Yeah, like, like I was saying, we, we already had four people in the dental area. Um, they had a pharmacy set up even, and they're able to make, one of the optometrists tells me that they can actually make prescription glasses here. That is correct, sir. We're actually able to provide prescription glasses at no cost to the local community. Okay. We have people here from Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. What's what's the purpose of getting all these different services? Why, why couldn't just the Air Force do this? Why, why do we have joint service going on? Well, you'll hear a lot about how globalism is making the world flat. Well, it's going the same way with the military as we're not just green, blue, army, navy, air force, we're all working together. Um, the future landscape of defense 
is in the joint theater. And part of getting on board with that joint thought process is working together. We need to, we all speak different language, even though we're part of the same military. So by working with the Navy or working with the Marine Corps and with the Navy or the Army working with the Air Force, we're all able to understand each other so we have better forms of communication when we have to go out there in the real world and do our job overseas. Now, there's also another aspect to that because you, being medical health technicians, whether you're Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, you're still under, what, what's the uh, guidance that, you, that, that they have you under? Well, we're under, we all fall under the Department of Defense. And this is a Department of Defense program bringing us all together. And because of that, we're able to train with all the other service branches and build this rapport. And today I have as a guest, U.S. Navy Lieutenant Shalina Peterson. She is with the Medical Services Corps and she is a physician assistant. Welcome, ma'am. Hi, thanks for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your duties and kind of what you're doing here at uh, in East Georgia? I am attached, my gaining command is EMF Great Lakes. And um, I was actually expecting to go on the operational medicine um, AT that we were doing in California this year. But with COVID, it was a little uncertain if that was going to make. And this opportunity came up and I got permission from um, the OIC to come on this mission. And I was definitely interested in it. Um, where I'm from, we do remote area medical um, uh, events where that company comes in and does something similar to what the military is doing here, where they provide um, no-cost health care to um, communities in need. And they kind of go around um, different, I think they go around the country, but we've had several in our area over the years, and it was something that I was interested in. So. I feel like this is very simple, similar to that, so I've, I've really enjoyed being here. So what, where are we today? Can you tell us about what we're, where we're at and what we're doing right here? So we are um, at, they tell me, we're in elementary school. We're at Jenkins County um, in Millen, Georgia. And this is one of the four sites for the IRT. And our team here is providing medical, uh, dental, and optometry exams um, for the patients here in the area. And at the same time, we are doing military training. Um, how are things going here? It's actually, I've been, I've been very, very impressed with what we've been able to do. Um, coming in the first day, our equipment we were supposed to come and set up and there was a delay in getting our equipment over here so I wasn't sure exactly what that was going to entail but we were able to pull that off on a day once our equipment was here we had it all set up and it's a pretty extensive operation what they have going on down in dental to be able to do what they're doing including having to sterilize an autoclave equipment um, and instruments in order to be able to do the procedures that they're doing the x-ray um, optometry has a full setup in their room to be able to do their exam. So there really is a lot of equipment for those two specialties. Not quite so much for medical because um, we're mostly doing physical exams and able to do a lot of patient education, which I've very much enjoyed. I work in the emergency department and patient education for me is usually tailored to whatever disease process that we're focused on. So it's acute care, it's what's happening now. 
And to do discussions about preventative medicine is an interest area of mine, but I haven't done that um, since I worked in primary care nine years ago. Um, so it's it's been it's been a change of pace for me, and it's been excellent to be able to connect with someone and actually have the time to talk with them about the things that they can do for themselves to make themselves healthier. So um, I've had a great time. I think it's great. <laughs> So let me ask you, how important is preventive medicine? Um, prevention, preventing you from getting high blood pressure, from getting diabetes. What can you do to treat yourself um, to make yourself healthier? Because that should be primary prevention. We don't want you to get sick. We don't want you to have high blood pressure. And that's basically education and teaching someone what they can do to make themselves healthier and keep them from needing medications. Um, primary prevention never goes away, so even if you have to take a medicine, you still want to take the time to educate your patient to do those things. And so I also have a master's in public health, so um, preventative medicine is something that is an interest area for me, it's just not what I utilize in the ER on the day-to-day. -day. Um, we still talk to patients about those things, but we're usually dealing with the more acute phases of a disease process when you end up in the ER. Um, so here in this setting, um, looking at the resources that I have available to treat a patient because it's very different from the ER and our pharmacy capabilities are limited. I don't have x-ray. I don't have an EKG machine. I don't have labs. And you know that's what I have available to me to figure out what's going on with someone in the ER. So it's dialing that way back to we're just having a conversation about you and your health. And we've been able to do glucose checks on people, so that's been beneficial. And, of course, we do, we calculate their BMI. We're talking to them about that and talking to them about their risk factors um, for the disease processes that are causing heart disease. Um, the thing that's going to cause you to have a heart attack or stroke or diabetes and, and the, the long-term implications of those things. So that's been... So for preventative medicine, we don't want you to have those things. And what can we do in this setting? And what should we be doing in medicine as a whole to um, talk to people, educate them, and keep those things from happening? Okay. What, what sort of uh, general tips are you giving to people about preventative medicine? So I have my little spiel. I call it okay. TLC. Okay. All right. Therapeutic lifestyle changes. And the first thing I try to talk to people about is if you smoke, you shouldn't smoke. Um, and sometimes that's not, people don't want to talk about that. So they're not ready to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. If we're ready to have that conversation, let's talk about it. Let's talk about ways that you can quit smoking um, and how that's going to benefit you over the long term. Does the, that include vaping? That does include vaping. Um, we may not know, we do know some of the things that vaping causes. We know the effects of nicotine on the body. Um, but vaping, yes, it's not good for you. So... Um, the next thing that I try to talk to people about is um, don't drink your calories. So anything that has a calorie content that's empty calories that aren't benefiting you for the most part. Um, and you don't get the satiety, so your hunger doesn't go away, so then you're still eating calories on top of drinking calories. And that includes alcohol. So if you just blanket statement that and say don't drink your calories, then there's going to be inherent benefits from that. So, and if you can replace a soda or um, whatever your cal caloric drink is with water, you get the benefits of the water also. So, and then I talk to people about exercise. So the benefits of exercise alone and how that can lower your blood pressure, 
leads to weight loss and helps prevent those disease processes from occurring. So that's just kind of a, a quick and dirty way to counsel someone without getting into the details of a DASH diet and glycemic index and all of these very complicated things when you're not even sure the education level of the person that we may be treating in this setting. Can they read? I don't always know. And, and if they ask me questions and I can take that conversation a little bit further and they have things like high blood pressure, then we can talk about sodium, nutritional labels, um, how, how to count that. And um, same thing with sugar and how to talk about that and what you can do for that. So more specifically tailored to a disease process, but just a kind of a quick and dirty, these are things that everybody can do to make themselves healthier. How is your experience here at the IRT? How's it been? I, I've loved it. I talked to Coach last night when we were having this conversation, and I have had a great time because it's a change of pace for me. Now you had to explain who Coach is. <laughs> <laughs> she, you, her rank is, help me. I think she's a senior or a chief. <laughs> okay. Um, Master, Master Sergeant. Sergeant. Master okay. Sergeant, right, okay. sorry, yeah. All right, this is, this is that branch difference. So she, she's a high-level enlisted E8 or 9. Right. Okay. Um, she's great. So she, she's, what, our morale booster of this whole mission. Okay. So she is one of um, our NCOSEs at, at the top of the mission. And um, she's, she's everywhere, and she's um, very helpful with everything. And also, um, I think that's probably the best way I can describe her. She's the one that's always like up, ready to go, morale booster kind of person and making sure that everything is running like it's supposed to, especially our vehicles yeah. coming to this site. So yeah. she, they're making sure we have gas in our vehicles too. So that's thank important. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm sorry I interrupted yeah. you, but how, how, are you, how was your experience here? How has so, it been? Yep. Sorry. Didn't yeah. mean to go off on a tangent there. Um, my experience here, that conversation I was having with her, um, we were talking about um, high blood pressure and a patient that came through our clinic yesterday and how many different um, services and people had their hands on that patient. And the doc that I'm working with, Lieutenant Colonel McCall, um, he's in the primary care setting. I'm in the emergency department. And hypertension as a disease process and the, the number that we were seeing, everybody kind of was very um, anxious about the number and the differences in how we would approach that patient based on the setting that we work in. And that patient was actually here to have an eye exam. And what optometry was able to see and talk to that patient about with that same disease process. And the, the great thing about that was, was this patient recently lost a family member to the same disease process. And so we were able to have a heart to heart about that. And I think it was a really great conversation. And um, I was able to give him community resources. He had had a doctor in the past. We had a good conversation. It's like, you know, you really got to do something about this. So I have had a great experience because it's definitely a change of pace for me. And having the different branches and also the different services that we're providing connected, like we're able to have this conversation and we're able to talk to the medics and the corpsmen about that. And so the education piece of this and just having that kind of flow and um, follow through with, you know, a specialist even here has been great. It seems like there's a benefit. I, I know when I go to my primary care doctor, 
he refers me to a dentist on the other side of town or an optometrist way over there. Mm -hmm. But you see that there's a benefit to having all three of these services kind of together. We're, we're literally in the in the same hallway, just one room away from each other. Yes. I, I definitely see that as a benefit because I'm having a preventative conversation, well, a, a secondary prevention conversation with a patient who has untreated hypertension who wasn't really interested in having that conversation. We were able to have a good conversation about it, and then I'm able to say, this can really affect your eyes, and you're here for an eye exam, and then hand him off to the optometrist who says, yeah, absolutely, this is affecting your eyes or can affect your eyes if it hasn't gotten to that point and really kind of drive that point home for someone who may not be educated about what they actually have. How are, how are the, uh, the community, the patients here, how, how are they uh, responding to this care? I think they've been very happy with us. The feedback that I've personally received from patients is that um, they're, they're excited that we're here and they're grateful that we're here. And the survey feedback that we've received from our, our surveys that we give to each patient has all been very positive. Um, they feel like we're able to take the time with them and they appreciate us taking the time with them. And um, they feel like they're welcome here. And we have had people that we have seen that have gone out into the community and collected more people to bring in. So that's been great. Today joining me on the show, I have Sergeant Manuel Luna, a veterinary food inspector for the U.S. Army. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. So you are a veterinary food inspector. Let's explain that. Um, so veterinary food inspection, you might be thinking that, oh, you, you, uh, you check out dog food, right? Um, unfortunately, no, it's, a, it's not that great. <laughs> um, no, uh, so a little backstory to the whole food inspection. Uh, way back when, when the Army first started, you had veterinarians would go out to slaughterhouses and inspect uh, the meat that would be served to the Army. Uh, as time progressed, we still had veterinarians kept in our service uh, because now that what they do is their main focus is the military working dogs that we have. Uh, food inspection is still huge, um, and now we're, we're kind of hand-in-hand hand at this point. Um, we're, we're almost married. It's, it's a great feeling. You're working with dogs and doing food inspection? Right. Yeah, it's a weird combo, but it's, it's it also funny. It, <laughs> it keeps, things, keeps things very fresh. You know, it's, when I get bored of inspecting food, I get to go mess with uh, you know, all the puppies, and that's, that's always a cheerful experience. <laughs> well, that part sounds fun. Yes, okay. definitely. Um, okay, so we're here in East Central Georgia. Um, we have medical people here. We have uh, doctors, optometrists, dentists. What are you doing here? Uh, our job right now, we're providing no-cost rabies vaccinations as well as spay and neuters for people's dogs and cats alike. Um, some services we, we, we can't offer, such as you know really invasive surgeries and things like that. However, our, our veterinarians are able to examine and then provide recommendations um, and at least give them a direction which to go uh, for, for their, you know, their, their babies. Now, you guys are not at every location that we set up every day, oh. um, or are you? Oh, no. So uh, we, we originally started off at, at a Burke County Animal Shelter. Um, we, we've since moved, and now we're, we're working uh, in Warren County uh, at, at, a, at a local high school there. So yeah, our our services are kind of a little bit spread out, um, but we're doing we're doing what we can with what we got, um, and it's, it's really been well received, I think, by the community. Okay. And how's how's that going? Um, 
the community? Are, are you getting a lot of response? Oh, definitely. We, we, we see it pick up once the word kind of gets out. We, we see somebody knows someone. Here, the, it seems like word of mouth is, is huge. Everyone knows everyone. So, uh, you know, the first few days are kind of slow, but the last couple of days have been uh, pretty pretty high speed. We've, we've gotten, um, in, in some cases, like 60 exams in, in one day. Uh, that's, you know, 60 different spays and neuters or uh, vaccines been applied. It's, it's been an experience. And what kind of animals are you seeing? Um, oh, well, we're, we're seeing mainly uh, cats and dogs. Um, we had a animal control officer bring us an alligator. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> Nothing much we can do about that one, though. We kind of just all huddled around, took pictures. But um, most of the time, it's, it's just uh, spays and neuters for cats and dogs. What was he asking you to do with the alligator? He just wanted to bring it by and, and see if he was healthy to be released back into the wild. Our veterinarians gave it, you know, the good old army try and examined him and looked healthy enough. So okay. Time to release him. <laughs> um, so mainly uh, house pets, cats, mainly, dogs? Yeah, mainly house pets, yeah. cats, and dogs. Um, what's, what's great to see is how, is how much these people actually care about their animals. Um, and, and in some cases we were hearing that they were gonna come see us first and then go and get their eye appointment or anything else after that, that their main concern was their, was their animals. And um, that just shows the amount of love that they have. Um, you could definitely see everyone leaving with a smile uh, because they know that their, that their baby was taken care of. Their baby got the shots that they needed or their baby was able to get spayed and neutered. Um, those, those types of procedures are, are pretty costly. And you know the environment that we're in, uh, we see that it's it's more of an underprivileged area that you know cost is is big and um, it's not that they don't want to get the services it's just that they may not be able to afford it so us being here is giving them the opportunity to take care of their animals the way they want to take care of them um, and and you know that's always it's always puts puts a smile on my face to see the the parents leave with a smile on their face. Would you have any advice for pet owners as far as general health care practices for pets? Uh, definitely. Um, if you have the opportunity, get them spayed and neutered. Um, if you can, you know, there's always a, the adopt, don't shop type method. If you can, if you can find a, a good dog that's in the shelter that needs a good loving home, um, you know, try to check them out first. Uh, it, it'd save you some money and it'd be a little cheaper. And a lot of times those dogs come out and they're the best dogs that you can ever have. Um, rabies vaccine stay up to date on that rabies isn't something that you know you you saw in old yeller and you know the dog passes away it breaks your heart it's actually life-threatening even for people so uh, you wouldn't want your you know your 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 baby to have to go through that and then you wouldn't want to also put yourself at risk uh, so definitely seek rabies vaccinations and stay up to date with those one of the big things that i'm taking away personally from this mission is the cross training aspect um, in previous deployments, I had to work hand-in-hand -hand with my uh, 68 Tangos. Those are the actual vet techs. Uh, and now that I'm an NCO, I have to lead a team. So I want to be able to lead a team and be knowledgeable um, in all aspects of, of my team. And I do notice, too, in a deployed environment, sometimes you have to be flexible. Sometimes the, the main mission isn't food inspection. Sometimes it's mainly um, working with animals, and I don't want to be blindsided by that. So uh, having the opportunity to, to work and, and learn and, and be able to ex administer vaccines and assist with spay and neuters. I feel that it's making me a better soldier. And overall, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing something great for the community as well.
How's your team doing out here? Oh, we are working hard. And I, 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 I want to give them a, a huge round of applause. There's been some setbacks that we've had to overcome. There's been situations where we are all kind of looking at each other, scratching our heads. But, you know, we, we've, we, we powered through it and we, we've definitely overcome. We've definitely uh, shined. All of our volunteers who come out uh, are leaving with smiles as well. They, they love what we're doing. And we love what we're doing. I think that that's the that really shows through the work ethic that we have. Um, I can't say enough about the veterinarians. Uh, they're 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 of course high speed veterinarians uh, in their civilian practices. A lot of them are are veterinarians and not necessarily teachers. However, they're taking on that teacher aspect and they're educating the entire team. And um, even even during surgeries where where things can be tense and and uh, have to be on your toes they're, they're, they still take time to to teach you and, and to uh, show you the right ways to to accomplish the mission i am here today with brianna anita she is a public health technician for the 126 air refueling wing at scott air force base brianna welcome to the show hi hi can you tell us where we are today and what we're doing here so today we are at the hancock county public health department and we are conducting a no-cost health clinic. Um, it's been a challenge a little bit. We were initially supposed to be at the Hancock High School, I believe, and last minute we had to switch locations because they had summer school at that high school. So um, within a day, we basically had to build the clinic from the ground up, and it's a smaller location for us, but I'm really proud of how fast we were able to put it together and create a good patient flow. So you were supposed to be at the high school, you're here at the clinic now. Um, what services are you offering here? So we are doing um, dental, optometry, and medical services. Um, basically making glasses for people. Um, we're doing tooth extractions, fillings, um, basic physical exams, stuff like that. And um, how do people find uh, how, how can they, what, what happens when somebody comes into the clinic here? Um, so basically they check in first at uh, check out, check in outside and we're under a tent and we do a COVID screening and luckily we have um, community volunteers. So right now it's basically just um, the workers here at the public health department who are screening everybody, taking temperatures and then we're sending them inside to check in and they tell us what they're here for, um, what they wanna see or what they wanna do. And we put them on our list and we try to get them in as fast as possible. Um, and then they go in through our services, um, basically get what they need to get done and they can come back as many times as they need to. So we have had several people who came in on the first day for dental and then the second day for optometry. And we've had people who have been here every single day. And the best thing about it is that the first day we only had one patient. And we were a little bit worried that because we switched locations, not everyone was going to know where we were. Second day we had about 26 patients. And yesterday we had 50. So we've really been getting that really great momentum. And our word is getting spread out about us being here. And we've had so many patients come in and say that they're calling their families, they're calling their friends and telling them that they need to come over here and get services done. And they're loving it. At the very end when we do checkout, that's where I'm sitting, um, we have them fill out a survey and it just asks about 
how they felt our service was and if they got what they needed done. And the last question is, what was the best thing about your services today? And for the most part, a lot of people have been saying that I got my teeth pulled or that I was able to come see you guys or that I got glasses or that I got a physical. And it's just eye-opening and amazing to see how many people don't have those services available for them and the fact that we can provide that for them at no cost and how grateful they are, it's, it's an, an amazing feeling to know that we're able to do that for this community. Um, now, you mentioned that you were set up in the county high school. Mm -hmm. You had to, at the last minute, really at the last minute, yes. within just a couple hours, you had to pack everything up from there, which was already set up. You were I'm set up for your first day. So I'm pretty sure they had gone out to the site the day before we were our soft start. And I think some, some time frame within that day before the soft start, we were told that um, the principal of that high school was actually going to be doing a summer school, and they didn't think it was going to work out with us being there. So we had to call around to different locations around the county, and at first we thought we were going to be outside of this county, which was a little worrying because a lot of people were counting on us to be here in Hancock County. Luckily, the public health department here was able to take us in. And within that one time, like one day time frame, we were able to get everything set up. And every other site, I'm pretty sure, had everything set up a day before, whereas we had to set up the day of, pretty much. We had um, basically set up the day prior to our soft start and it was very fast paced trying to figure out patient flow and then the very next day that we had our soft start we were all a little bit worried because we didn't know if patients were going to come see us because we changed locations we didn't know if our flow was right and that morning of our soft start we had actually changed everything up all over again and had to decide okay what is going here what's going there what's not going to work out well and it was very last minute, but I think everyone pulled together and was able to basically pull it off and make it all work really well. And and when you say that you had to set up, I, I walked through the clinic here, mm -hmm. I'm seeing, you know, it, it's not just moving a computer, a laptop oh, no. computer or, or printer. You have dental chairs. You yes. have the, the dental suction gear, the big lamps. Um, what, what all kind of equipment do you have here? So we have... A bunch of stuff for optometry um, luckily since we are in the public health department we had some examination rooms already and they actually did have um, a, I'm pretty sure a dental service room and so we brought all of our equipment and we have I believe a full storage room and then the dentists actually have so much equipment they've got um, two rooms filled with equipment as well so it's tables, um, medical equipment, gloves, cavi spray and wipes. Um, we've got eye gear, masks, just about everything that you could think of for a normal doctor's office, including a dentist's office and an uh, optometry office, everything in one small location. It's amazing how much we were able to fit in here. Part of the purpose of this, too, is uh, not just to provide this service to the community, mm -hmm. but uh, from the military side, we're gaining some pretty valuable training. Oh, yes, of course. Um, so one thing that I'm really loving about this IRT is that it's all about joint service and 
learning training from so many different people. I didn't think I would be doing any training at all, and yet here I am teaching people about preventative medicine, public health, and basically how to stay safe, especially with COVID-19. Um, and it's just pretty much everything that we're doing is a training experience. I mean, I'm planning on going into learning about pharmacy in the next couple of days just so I can help out in the clinic. I've talked to the optometrist and she's um, teaching other people who are like four ends on how to do optometry. And I've seen some of the corpsmen learn about um, doing dentist stuff. So it's, it's amazing how we're all working together and even though we're specializing in one thing, we're learning about so many other things, which is going to help us in the future. For another IRT that we have, at least we know, look, these people have trained on it before, and you can say, I've gained that experience, and I know how to do this. And it just makes for a better workplace for all of us to be able to work together and know what we're doing. It's amazing. That's 126th Public Affairs Superintendent, Senior Master Sergeant Ken Stevens, speaking with Senior Airman Brianna Avita from the 126th Medical Group. She is in Georgia with the East Central Georgia Medical IRT. He was also uh, previously speaking with Army Reservist Sergeant Manuel Luna, Navy Lieutenant Shalina Peterson, and Air National Guard First Lieutenant Matthew Murray. The IRT set up a Facebook page. I'll share the link in the description so you can check out what they've been doing and you can hear the podcasts in their entirety, which these uh, interviews were taken from. With your look around the Air Force, I'm Technical Sergeant Shandresha Mitchell. Large commercial rockets may become the newest way for the Department of Defense to deliver supplies to warfighters around the world. That's the aim of the Rocket Cargo Vanguard program. The Air Force Research Lab will explore the viability of using commercial rockets to be outfitted with cargo bays, use airdrop capabilities, and to land near personnel and buildings safely. It's the fourth Vanguard program in the Department of the Air Force 2030 Science and Technology Strategy to advance emerging warfighting concepts through prototyping and experimentation. Arctic Challenge Exercise 21 is a Norwegian Air Force-led event taking place in Sweden, Finland, and Norway. We'll be flying local sorties with the different partner nations in the morning goes and in the afternoon goes we'll integrate into large force exercises with the Swedish, Norway, Finland and our other NATO partners and our Nordic ally partners. The Arctic Challenge exercise provides the opportunity to practice planning, executing and evaluating interoperability while providing a strong deterrent message to would-be aggressors. Two weather squadrons supporting the Indo-Pacific Theater have been redesignated as Combat Weather Squadrons, or CWS. Leaders from the 607th CWS in Camp Humphreys, Republic of Korea, and the 1st CWS in Joint Base Lewis-McChord, Washington, say the name change more accurately reflects their mission, which includes deploying alongside the Army. The combat designation sets the units apart from other weather squadrons and will require learning warrior skills that aren't usually part of training for weather airmen. The 1st has personnel at six locations across the Indo-Pacific, while the 607th provides environmental intelligence to U.S. Forces Korea and 8th Army. And that's your look around the Air Force.
find out more about the new 126th Airy Fueling Wing Mentorship Program by going to their Linktree account. There are signs around the wing. Uh, you can click on the QR code or go to their Linktree. That's linktr.ee forward slash 126ARW Mentorship. If you're having thoughts of suicide or know someone in crisis, call the Military Crisis Line 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. There is a chat lifeline also. You can chat through their website, uh, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. That's suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Another way to get help is uh, the crisis text line. Text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 838-255. The crisis line text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 838-255. You can find all of our links on Linktree, linktr.ee forward slash 126. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, don't forget, you can also download this on your favorite podcast app, if you want to pass along some information, you can email rollcall126.arw.pa.mm.org at us.af.mil. If you think there's somebody out there that we should have on the podcast, email us. Let us know. Thanks for listening to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast focused on people, mission, and community. I'm Tech Sergeant Brian Ellison. <laughs>